The Rangers World Series MVP Corey Seager had surgery. How big of a deal is it, and when will he be back? We're going to talk about all that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked onto the World Series champion Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of this show. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow this show at Locked On Rangers. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and on YouTube where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, before we get into this Corey Seager injury, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today, and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Now, the big news of this week is that Corey Seager has undergone surgery on Tuesday to repair a sports hernia on his left side. Now, that sounds very serious, and, uh, well, it's it doesn't seem to be as big a deal as initially... Uh, it, it came across as it seems like Corey Seager is going to miss the vast majority of spring training, but the Rangers are very hopeful and thinking that he's probably going to be ready for opening day. They wouldn't commit to a definite timeline on his injury recovery, um, but the concern level from them is, uh, as they said, very low. Now, what is a sports hernia. Now, it's it's not an actual hernia. It's a, a different thing. It is a strain in the muscles in either the lower abdomen or the upper groin area. So he was dealing with this. He had the injury sometime during the postseason, which he was playing through this while he was winning the World Series MVP and while he was destroying everybody all along the way. That is incredibly impressive that he was playing through this and playing at the highest of high levels against the best competition and winning the Rangers their first ever World Series all while dealing with this injury. So uh, maybe Evan Grant made the point that maybe his his victory screech uh, at that game-tying home run in Game 1 of the World Series, maybe that was a little bit of pain and also joy. Um, maybe a bit of both. And I think I think he might be right with that. But you may be asking, why, why did it wait till this long to, to get this surgery? Well... The Rangers were hoping that this would go away on its own. This would be an injury that he would heal from. He wouldn't have to have any surgery to correct it. And as he was starting up baseball activities, it wasn't healing the way that they had hoped. He could have, you know, kept waiting on it to heal, but that would just drag this process process out even longer. So he decided, okay, now it's time to have the surgery. He had the surgery on Tuesday with a doctor in Arizona, and that will put him on track, likely to be ready for opening day. Now, normally it takes an average person about uh, six to twelve weeks to recover from the surgery, but um, for pro athletes, usually it's uh, usually about six to eight weeks by the time they are participating in games. And then, if it's on that timeline, then he'd still have a couple of weeks uh, bef- to to get ready before the regular season. So, this was this was the time for the surgery. He could have played it cautiously and, and seen how it healed and maybe it would have worked out and he would have been ready for spring training um but 
that is not the case. It is two weeks as of today until pitchers and catchers report, and then I believe 17 days until the first full team workout, but it is 57 days until opening day. So that it gives him a pretty wide range, uh, a, a good, you know, birth of if there is some kind of setback or it the rehab doesn't go quite as well as anticipated then he's got some cushion there um, for getting ready for opening day which is the goal and I, I do think will happen but even if that doesn't happen you may remember parts of last season Corey Seager while he was absolutely amazing he did miss a little bit of time and there were a couple guys who stepped up pretty ginormously in his absence. The main one is Ezekiel Duran. I think he is going to be getting a lot of the at-bats, a lot of the reps at shortstop in spring training. He and Josh Smith, if those two are your backup shortstops to your $30 million uh, all-star shortstop, you're in a really good place because I think both of those guys could be solid major league everyday starters on a different team that did not have Corey Seager. But thankfully, the Rangers do. And also, thankfully, they have both Ezekiel Duran and Josh Smith. And granted, your last memories of Ezekiel Duran were, you know, being in a rough way down the stretch. Just a really, truly very bad second half for him in 52 games. He had a 6'10 OPS. But when he was starting every day at shortstop and, and you know, in place of the injured Corey Seager, he was phenomenal. He was truly excellent. In that first half, he played in 70 games, just over 250 plate appearances. He had 12 home runs and 16 doubles. He had a 870 OPS, and he hit over 300. He was fantastic. He was playing great defense at shortstop. He was providing a lot of offense. Granted, he wasn't the same offensive force that Corey Seager is, but, I mean, nobody is. Unless you're replacing Corey Seager with Ronald Acuna Jr. or Shohei Otani, and... Neither of those guys play shortstop, so no one is replacing them with those guys. But he stepped up in a big, big way, and and Josh Smith was also very productive. If he's your you know second backup shortstop, if Josh Smith is your second backup shortstop, which I, I think at this point he might be, or maybe they go ahead and platoon them and, and play Josh Smith a little bit more against righties and Ezekiel Duran a little bit more against lefties. I think it'll probably be Duran that's taking most of the reps anyway, but this is all kind of a little bit of a moot point because, um, you know, I don't think that Corey Seager is going to be out on opening day. But if you're thinking, well, I mean, I don't know if you can trust those guys. you got to look at the free agent market. What what guys are there? What other shortstops are on the market? Um, well, it's, it's not great. There's not a whole lot of options if you're thinking, oh, I've got to go get no shortstop. There's, there's Brandon Crawford. Um, not not ideal. There's also uh, Kike Hernandez, uh, also not super ideal. And there's Tim Anderson. Um, maybe a nice bounce back candidate, but not somebody who you really want to bank on. Or if you want an Elvis Andrews reunion, then uh, if you're just feeling super sentimental. But I don't think the Rangers are. I think they'll be uh, just fine with, with Corey Seager and however long it takes him to get back. I think these guys are fantastic backup shortstop options and and even if it's not them there's still there's still some other internal candidates that i think could be more than serviceable backups or spot starters for however long seager is out seager's had a a weird year or weird career in terms of injuries he's been just kind of dinged up a little bit almost every single year when the rangers got him to play over 150 games in 2022 even though it was you know 
the worst season of his career where he actually played every day. It was the first time he played 150 games since 2016. This has just kind of been the deal with Corey Seager. It's not like he's you know particularly fragile. It's just like random things just pop up. Like last year, it was the hamstring injury at the beginning of the year where he missed about four to six weeks. And then he had the thumb injury sliding into second base later on in the year. He missed a couple weeks and then came back. But the thing about Corey Seager that you, you may be worried, oh, no, he doesn't have enough spring training time to, to get ready for the season. Oh, no, is he going <clears> to <throat> is he gonna you know, be rusty when he comes back? Well, that was the thing that was almost the most impressive about Corey Seager last year, outside of the, the everything of just being one of the best hitters in baseball, is that whenever he missed time and he had to go rehab, it would take about like two days, and then he'd come back, and he'd be basically the exact same version of himself. You could not even tell that he had missed any time with the injury, just jumps right back in and is absolutely sensational. Because his best month of the season was in August, and he had just come back from injury in August after that was the thumb injury that he came back from. And in the month of August, that was he played 24 games that month, so he missed a little bit of time early on in the month and came back uh, you know, a couple days into it. 24 games in a 1,000 and 1,111 OPS. 10 home runs that month in 24 games. Coming right back from injury, right into the heart of the Rangers lineup, right in the time where they needed him the most to step up. I mean, outside of, obviously, the playoffs. But in the regular season, when that team was floundering horrifically in the month of August, late on in August, him and Mitch Garver stepped up huge. And he did it coming right off the injury list just to come back and be immediately Corey Seager, the best version of himself. So he might miss all of spring training. He might miss most of spring training. But even if he does, you know, the second Corey Seager comes back, he is going to be right back the old version of himself. Coming up, we're going to look at some DH options for the Rangers, someone who Texas was linked to, one of the top DH options. Why I think that is a fantastic fit for Texas, even though they have Wyatt Langford waiting in the wings. Right after this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. If you're wanting to bet on Patrick Mahomes to win another Super Bowl MVP or win another Super Bowl, if you're wanting to you know, bet against Patrick Mahomes and the guy who's been here all the time, you're like, ugh, I am just sick of it. I need to bet on the 49ers. Or, or if you're cheering for one team, you want to emotionally hedge your bets and, and bet on the team that you are not rooting for so that even if the team you're not rooting for wins – you at least get a little bit of financial compensation out of that. Check it out. New customers who join today get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now shout out to the everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. We'll be back tomorrow talking with Grant Schiller. We recorded that on Monday before this Corey Seager news came out. Um, talking about that, we're we going to be discussing the Rangers 
there's pitching development and a little bit of worrying news about why they think they're okay missing out on Jordan Montgomery. And uh, spoiler alert, it's not for a super great reason. But there was some impressive, some not news, uh, news is the wrong word, but some projections that made me very happy that I saw on Twitter last night. This is from John Becker on Twitter. He works at Fangraphs on the roster resource assistant slash contracts crank, as he uh, calls himself, or the sultan of spreadsheet, as he also refers to himself. He has been predicting uh, where different free agents go, the ones who are remaining, um, what the contracts might look like, and he's been He's been fairly accurate in his prognostications. He's been updating them pretty pretty regularly throughout the offseason. Um, <clears throat> but some of the free agent picks that he had um, of the top 15 or so guys left, there were only two guys that he projected going to Texas. One of them is is it a bit obvious in Jordan Montgomery. Great. Love that. Be very happy with that. Um, would like that news to drop uh, any day now. I'd be happy with it. If it even if, dro- if it dropped in the middle of this recording, I wouldn't even be mad. I'd be actually very happy. Um, but the other free agent that John Becker predicts is going to sign with the Texas Rangers is J.D. Martinez. Now, there hasn't been a whole lot of rumblings about the Rangers signing J.D. Martinez. There have been some credible rumblings about the Rangers having at least internal discussions with Brandon Belt. But both of those guys, I think, make a lot of sense for the Rangers. I think they fit perfectly with the Rangers, and especially with the Rangers hitting staff. Now, you may be sitting, sitting there thinking, Bryce, the entire offseason, you have been nonstop saying, oh, my God, Wyatt Langford, Wyatt Langford, Wyatt, like literally every episode in January, you have just lost your mind over how great Wyatt Langford is going to be. And that's still true. I, I still think that's going to happen. And I still think that Wyatt Langford is going to be absolutely incredible. And he still might end up making the Rangers opening day roster as their DH. But I think that signing a at least medium money (laughs) DH for the Rangers makes a lot of sense. And it fosters a great culture of competition for your young prospects of you're not just going to get called up because we think you're good and we're going to clear space for you, you know, make you the heir apparent. This is just going to be ready for you. I mean, they almost kind of did that with Josh Young in, in just the signings they had at their base and the injuries kind of, you know, ruin that timeline just a little bit. He probably would have been up in like 2021. Honestly, if, if he hadn't been hurt, I think he would have made his big league debut at some point in 2021. So we saw what the, the, short, the third base options were, you know, the two years before Josh Young took that role as the everyday third baseman in camp this year. <clears throat> now with Evan Carter, he made his debut as kind of a emergency Oh God, we need something. We need something. Please save us. Adolis Garcia might be out for the year. We don't know what the deal is with this knee injury. And we need to call up somebody to just keep us afloat, give us a spark, do something. And Evan Carter ran with it. And I don't think he will see the minor leagues ever again outside of a rehab stint. I mean, he has still been talking about how I got to earn an everyday spot. I got to earn a roster spot on the big league club. And well, Mr. Evan Carter, I I think batting third on a World Series champion team, I think that means you're going to make the team out of camp. Maybe not start i mean almost assuredly start but like i'm pretty sure that at least very at the very least guarantees you a roster spot out of spring training but white langford did not make his major league debut in 
months, days after turning 21. He did not bat third on the World Series champion Texas Rangers. He did, however, absolutely crush it at every single level that he played at in the minor leagues. I mean, but granted, there's not been a whole lot of development time for White Langford. If you want to look at his, his season in the minors, he only played 44 games, 200 plate appearances. And while he was sensational, phenomenal, amazing, unbelievable, every good adjective they could ascribe to a hitter, he did all the things, and he did them all very well. But it's 44 games and 200 plate appearances. And if you want to look at what he did in college, he, he was sensational in his sophomore and junior year, but he barely played his, his freshman year. If you want to look at his entire body of work of games, including college, summer league, and professional, he has played in 221 games, 983 plate appearances since graduating high school. That's not a whole lot of baseball. And granted, the sample size, while it is kind of small, it's phenomenal. He has been crushing it every time he has played. But there are still some things you need to figure out. You need to truly, if he goes into spring training and he hits like 500 and, you know, hits the crap out of baseballs and, you know, is still having these amazing plate appearances against, you know, big league pitchers. And the Rangers think, okay, this guy, <laughs> we can't send him down to the minors because he's going to help us win games right now. Then they'll do that and that'll happen. Um, but signing guys who are proven veterans at DH, it's a good thing. When the Rangers have a proven DH who's in there and, and producing, it, it's a valuable thing to add to this lineup. I mean, this is a very, very deep lineup. And even if they don't sign anybody, it's not like White Langford is just going to be handed the job. It's not like there's literally no other competition. Justin Foster is going to give him a run for his money. Foster is going to be competing for some everyday at-bats at DH at the big league level right out of spring training. And if Corey Seager is, is healthy, then Ezekiel Duran is also going to be competing for those spots at DH and those at-bats. And, and same with, with Josh Smith. So it's not just going to be handed to him. But I think these veteran guys, if you, if you sign them, I think if the Rangers went with any of those three main guys that I talked about, the young guys in, in Duran or Foscue or Langford, if one of those guys wins the job out of camp and you feel really good about it, I think they'll be a fine DH. But adding one of these veteran hitters who have been exceptional in their careers and have a lot of big league experience and have been very, very consistent and are more of a known commodity... I think that could bode very, very well for this Rangers lineup and take them from just the best offense in the American League to maybe the best offense in all of baseball. Coming up, we'll look at why those guys make so much sense, which one I prefer, and a couple of interesting news and notes, including a hypothetical trade that I think is absolutely bonkers if the Rangers did it. Right after this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. Back on Friday with a fan mail question bag um, talking about whatever your questions are about the Rangers offseason where they sit. So send those questions to me either on Twitter or YouTube in the comments or, um, I don't know, however else you send uh, messages to me. Just maybe... Maybe try and beam them into my brain, and maybe, maybe I'll get some of those that way. Um, but anyway, we're talking about the two main DH options the Rangers could have in Brandon Belt or J.D. Martinez. Now, both of these guys have a bit of a history with on the Ranger, with the Rangers coaching staff. Brandon Belt was obviously for many, many moons, literally until this past year. He was with the San Francisco Giants. And there's a couple guys on this Rangers coaching staff that have ties to the San Francisco Giants. I don't, I don't know if you know this. Where Bruce Bochy used to be the manager of the San Francisco Giants while Brandon Belt was there. And also, Donnie Ecker was the hitting coach in 2021 for what is, I'd say, by far the best season of Brandon Belt's career. 2021, those Giants, they were every single person on that, on that, that uh, lineup just had a career year when it looked like they were, you know, almost just about done. I mean, granted, Belt was coming off a, a really good year in in 2020. The shortened season there had an OPS over 1,000, but that was 51 games, and it wasn't as big of a you know sample size. Then he only played in 97 games in 2021, but he had 29 home runs. 29. He had never had 20 home runs in a season in his career where he played many seasons of... 120 over 100 games he did it in 97 hit a 975 ops that year and on base just shy of 380 he crushed it that year in a shortened sample and donnie ecker was its hitting coach during that year now he's coming off of a really really good year with toronto as a dh slash platoon dh basically he just hits against righties but he absolutely mashes right-handed pitching and well, most pitchers are right-handed, so that is a little bit more valuable than just a guy who only hits lefties. Um, but last year, against right-handed pitchers in 365 plate appearances, he had all 19 of his home runs, an 890 OPS, an on-base of 375, and slugged over 500 at 515. That is a very, very good hitter. If you look at some of the um, the advanced data, he did not you know, chase very much. He did strike out... Um, we're on, so we're looking at 2021, not 2023. He did strike out in the first percentile, so those strikeouts were definitely there. He didn't expand the zone, though, so he was, I guess, just swinging and missing at pitches in the zone. But the sweet spot percentage, the um, barrel rate, both of those in the top 10% of baseball is walk rate, the top 3% of baseball, so he's going to get on base at a pretty decent clip. He is from Texas. He went to Texas um, and has ties to Bruce Bochy and to Donnie Ecker, and He's probably not going to be all that expensive if he is your DH. That is one of the upsides of him. His market value, according to uh, Spotrack, is uh, where we go. Yeah, $2.5 million. That's what they're projecting that he will make this year. I think it'll probably be... I'd like to say it'd be a little bit more um, because, I mean, he had such a great year. Um, but 
he is coming off a season where he made yeah nine point three million dollars. If if he's making nine point three million dollars, then I'm less in on the deal than spending a little bit more on JD Martinez, who his market value is fifteen and a half million dollars um, to be a DH. And JD Martinez also has some history with his coaching staff in Tim Hires, who's the Rangers hitting coach, not Donnie Ecker, who is the bench coach slash offensive coordinator, which is somehow higher than the hitting coach. But Tim Hires was in Boston for several years, including some of the best years of J.D. Martinez's career. Martinez has been absolutely phenomenal, especially in 2018. I think Hires was still there um, in 2018, which was Martinez's best year. He led the league in RBIs, led baseball with 130 RBIs, had 40 home runs for just the second time in his big league career. Also had 37 doubles, hit 330 in OPS, over 1,000 that year. Finished fourth in MVP voting. As a guy who was a DH, that's really, really difficult to do, and that's how good he was. He has been very consistent in his career. Had 33 home runs last year in OPS, just shy of 900. Played in 113 games, hits righties and lefties, so you're not platooning your DH, which is... A good thing. You look at some of the advanced data. Most of it looks really good. I mean, he's hitting the absolute crap out of the baseball. He's barreling it up. He's hitting it on the sweet spot, and he's hitting it very, very hard. The expected batting average, expected slugging, all of those numbers are very, very good. The only concern with him is that he doesn't walk nearly as much as Brandon Belt. Um, he strikes out in the bottom 10%, swings and misses, bottom 10%, also expands his own a bit in the bottom uh, 27% of baseball. But still, He's hitting the baseball very, very hard. I think either of these guys might have a better year with the Rangers than they just came off of with their previous teams, even though they're both coming off of pretty good seasons because the Rangers hitting staff is just so incredibly good. And both of these guys have had incredible seasons under the hitting staff that the Rangers have. Plus, I think they'll be, well... I think the Rangers lineup is definitely better than the Blue Jays, so Belt will have a little bit more, you know, protection, what have you. He's There's going to be less pressure on him. And Martinez, well, I think the Rangers lineup this year was at least deeper than the Dodgers. I mean, the top two weren't quite as good as, you know, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. But still, the depth of this Rangers lineup is exceptional and I think will continue to be in 2024. And like I've said multiple times, might even be better depending on where guys shake out and, and how quickly we see White Langford, or if we see White Langford at some point, and all of the stuff surrounding that, and you know, just more Evan Carter. This is going to be a very good lineup, and I think that adding a DH makes sense for the Rangers, and it sends a good message about where your team is and um, what it takes to earn an everyday spot in the lineup of this team. Now, while we're speaking of Blue Jays first baseman. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was announced as the cover athlete for MLB The Show in 2024 this week. And I am perplexed, confused, uh, bamboozled. I really don't understand the decision there. I hoped that it was going to be Corey Seager. I thought that would be an amazing choice to make Corey Seager the cover athlete and have that picture of him screaming after hitting the game-tying home run in the ninth inning of Game 1 of the World Series. It's one of the most iconic photos in all of baseball this year, in my opinion, one of the most iconic photos that has ever been taken of anyone or anything ever. Um, but that wasn't the decision they made. They also could have gone with Adoles Garcia, and uh, I respect them for 
uh, sticking to their guns and making a choice. But really, I was more confused that they didn't choose Ronald Acuna Jr., who's coming off of an absolutely historic season where he was the best position player in baseball by a pretty wide margin, won his first MVP, um, and was just absolutely sensational and was basically the phase of baseball during the regular season because of what he was doing with the 40-70 season that no one's ever done before because he's just on another level. But Vladdy Guerrero Jr., I, I guess they wanted to go with like the third or fourth best first baseman in the American League. Okay, sure, cool. Definitely a decision that someone could made. Now, the last thing I want to talk about in this episode is a fake trade that I saw circulating quite a bit around Rangers Twitter uh, yesterday, uh, Tuesday, I believe it was. Um, this was from MLB on Fox, a proposed trade where the Rangers would reunite with uh, former reliever Emmanuel Classe, and instead they would give up to the Guardians both Leody Tavares and Ezekiel Duran. Now, there are some people saying, wow, what a great trade. The Rangers get one of the best closers in baseball, and all they have to give up is some, some guys who are, are French starters. And not only do I think they're not French starters, I think both of them are very good players, but a French starter is very valuable. Leonie Tavares is coming off a two-and-a-half war season as an everyday starter who was mostly pretty good and then not quite as good in the second half. That is a two-and-a-half war player. Emmanuel Classe, for his career, is a seven-war player as a guy who's pitched in three seasons. He had a sensational 2021 and 22. This year, he led the league in blown saves. He also led the league in saves and games finished. He had an ERA over 12, and his strikeouts were way down this year. He still wasn't walking much of anybody, um, but he just wasn't nearly as good as he was the last couple of seasons. And also, he's a closer. <clears throat> I know he throws a 100-mile-an-hour cutter, and that's awesome. And that's really cool. And it's annoying the Rangers traded him for a whole inning of Corey Kluber. But again, he was a relief prospect with some makeup concerns and did get tacked for a uh, suspension for PEDs. Just don't, don't forget about that. But the Rangers have both of those position players, who I believe are the quality of everyday big leaguers, under control for, well, four more seasons with Ezekiel Duran until 2028, and then until 2027 with Leo Tavares. Now, there is only, I believe, three years left guaranteed with uh, Emmanuel Classe. Uh, let's see. Yeah, his contract is guaranteed through 2026. And then he's got team options for 2027 and 28. By then, he will be 30. He'll be making $10 million in 27 and 28, or $2 million buyout option, which the contract also might increase depending on some um, kickers and incentives and stuff um, in 27 and 28. <clears throat> and having an amazing closer is great. But, but again, we've, we've seen the value of uh, we've seen how volatile relievers can be. Everyone has seen how up and down they can be and coming off a bad season by his standards still would have been the best reliever in the Rangers pen, Emmanuel Classe last year. Um, he definitely would have been closing games out um, down the stretch. Or maybe Leclerc would have won that job over him. Or maybe in, in the postseason, uh, Josh Boris would have earned a, a higher role than him. Um, but still, giving up that kind of a haul for a closer, even if it's an amazing closer, he only has really two years where he was absolutely exceptional. This last year, he was okay to pretty pretty decent. 
and giving up two position players that are everyday quality players that have four and five years of control, that is a lopsided, lopsided trade and uh, not one I think the Rangers should consider. That would have been a trade that I, those would have been the pieces that I would have been comfortable giving up for maybe Corbin Burns. Um, but still, I think trading for a closer, the Rangers bullpen is, is okay. It may even be good, but it's probably okay. And trading two everyday position players, especially after we see this Corey Seager injury. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone's wanting to trade Ezekiel Duran now because having that insurance policy of Zeke Duran as your backup shortstop puts you in a really freaking good place. But that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow with Grant talking about pitching development and some concerns about maybe losing Monty. So thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series champion Texas Rangers baseball.